Welcome to The Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Cindy Bunch is associate publisher and director of editorial at InterVarsity Press. She's also trained as a spiritual director. Cindy and I got together to talk about her work as an editor, as well as her new book, Be Kind to Yourself. Cindy Bunch, thank you so much for being on the Habit Podcast. I appreciate you making time for me. Thank you for having me. So your um, your book is called uh, Be Kind to Yourself. That's right. Um, and it's, it's about, I guess, being kind to yourself, about, about making... Um, uh, getting out of those patterns of of self talk and mm-hmm. and all the the uh, the ways that we say things mean things to ourselves we wouldn't ever say to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's right, that's right. Um, especially um, trying to to work with that that voice of the inner critic um, is is one of the themes um, that I think is relevant to writers, mm-hmm. um, which is the the inner critic is that voice that. You know that makes you feel small um, and tells you you're bad or wrong or useless. Uh, it's a voice of shame. Um, so that's that's kind of one of the themes. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, one thing that I try to or I do tell writers is um, we're talking about making friends with the inner critic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, not silencing the inner critic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, there there certainly are things you need to silence, but um, but you know, a person who doesn't have an inner critic, um, our word for that is you know lunatic. Right? <laughs> um, and so, how do you? I mean, I, I think it's. Uh, I'd be interested to, to know your, your thoughts on this. But again, with, with respect to writing, um, yeah, I think uh, it has a, has a lot to do with saying to the inner critic, "Hey, could you just sort of go do something else for a little while while I work on this first draft." Yeah. And then, I, then I, I welcome you, inner critic. <laughs> I want you to come back, but just not right now. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's that's great. Um, yeah, I once heard a speaker at a writers' conference that said, you know, historically there've been some writers who've tried to deal with the inner critic by getting the inner critic drunk, but he said he did not actually recommend that. It doesn't really work out. Uh-huh. Um, but it, but it is that problem of how do you shut down that that voice. Um, so, um, yeah, in, instead, uh, one, one of the stories I tell in my book, actually, my editor, Al Shi, um, told me that he, his wife deals a lot with the inner critic. And so he actually speaks to her inner critic. Like, uh, she, she'll, she'll talk to him about, you know, what she's like, this message is running through her mind that's really negative. And he'll call out that inner critic and say, You're being a bully. <laughs> you know, <laughs> knock it off. Yeah. So that's, you know, having a friend help and support you in that is, is one way. Yeah. Right. That's great. Do you, um, so t- I'd love to hear about how you in the middle of writing this particular book, mm-hmm. um, about, you know, self-talk about, um, the inner critic, how are you, how did the inner critic treat you during this process? Yeah. Well, you know, um, 
we have a lot of ways to experience reviews now and comments, uh, even more so, I would say, than ever with places like Goodreads and Amazon, and yeah. where you can see people's thoughts about your work. And I've spent a lot of years helping authors process that, but I have already gotten to process a little bit myself what it's like to have people kind of not get your work, not understand it. Um, and sometimes I think that's because some of these reviewers are not the right reader for the mm -hmm, book. Mm -hmm. uh, but other times it's because, uh, you know, the, 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 the reviewer might have a real piece of input that you can take to heart and use in the future. So it's discerning between those two things and going on and continuing mm -hmm. to do the work is the, is the uh, difficulty for writers. And so I have written out for myself, actually just recently, a little prayer for self-kindness after reading a bad review. Huh. Can I read that to you? I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Um, Lord, my feelings are hurt by these words. The reviewer doesn't seem to understand my work. I want to argue, protest, clarify, but it's not a dialogue. My inner critic is saying, I told you so. Voices from my past are joining in. Is there anything here that I need to take to heart? Give me the wisdom to accept it with grace. Which are the things I need to let go? Give me the discernment to know the difference. Guide me to the words of truth about my work. Make the voices of affirmation ring in my ears. Remind me of my calling and gifting. Grow a spirit of confidence in me. Give me the strength to continue to create. I offer my work to you. So one of the things I wanted to remind myself and others uh, in the prayer is that we remember the negative words that people speak so clearly and we forget the affirmations. And so I think, you know, my encouragement to artists would be keep those affirmations somewhere close, memorize them or, you know, put them on a card or something else. Keep them, keep them close at hand. Um, yeah. And then I think the other thing I would say to writers about all this, about, you know, when they feel discouraged, uh, 31 years I've been editing books and I am privileged to see so many comments from readers that come in about the books we publish. And um, you just never know. You never know who is going to be touched or helped or served or drawn to Jesus by your words. And, um, and that's a calling, and, and that is part of the work that, mm -hmm. that we are called to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's so good. And, and there, you know, Flannery O'Connor said, I'm paraphrasing, um, but, but she said, you know, when I, when I put the work out there, um, you know, some people may be, um, it, it may be a stumbling block to some people. Some people might be drawn to, to Christ I don't know what's going to happen. It's not my business. It's God's business. You know, yeah. Here, yeah. That's right. Things. And, and That's right. my job is to do the work. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and there, you know, there, there are so many um, things that, that keep, keep us from, from doing, you know, those, I mean, there's, it's so easy to sort of fall into this, this whirlhole of self, self, everything, right. Self criticism, mm -hmm. self aggrandizement. So, I mean, just thinking about self, 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 and, and, and you know, writing is just not a good, we we want writing somehow we get it in our heads that writing is going is going to do things for us to to sort of uh, uh, to to neutralize self loathing or to, mm. to make me loved or you know there are all these things that, that we expect writing to do that that it, it, it that little that little donkey can't carry that that much of a 
of a burden. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think it's so important for writers to, to sort of get out of that self whirlhole and, and think about, you know, loving the reader and, and reaching out beyond, beyond the self. Um, mm-hmm. it, because it's that, it's that self-centeredness, I think, that is the, the, such an enemy of writing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's interesting because I think that's a lot of the role of the editor as well mm-hmm. is to sort of step in. Um, my uh, former colleague, now retired Jim Hoover, he was, Jim was the editor for Long Obedience in the same direction and a number of other Eugene Peterson books. And he taught me a lot. And he would talk about the editor is a bridge between the reader uh, and the author. Huh. And so, and that, that I really see that role. So I, I step in and sort of help the author speak to the reader effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's a big part of the input that, that we're trying to, to, to give to authors. And I hope it helps the authors to see the editor as kind <laughs> if they think about it in that, in that yeah. kind of way. Yeah. Um, so what did you learn about your role as an editor from being a writer being edited? Yeah. Well, it was, it was so my colleague, Al, she was, did, mm-hmm. was my editor and I had edited his book, Grieving Suicide, um, and another book on, on uh, suburbs before that. So, so it was turned about, um, yeah. both as colleagues and then, um, of, of him editing me. Uh, and I thought how excellent he is. Um, and I, we, a couple of things about our process. Um, one is that we give a developmental report um, and then the, the author revises before we start doing any copy editing or line editing. And uh, so that I saw the value of that process. Um, I had an author once say to me in reference to those reports that the editors write about nine times out of 11. <laughs> and when she said that, I thought, oh, okay, that, those are decent odds. I'll take those odds. And so I found that to be, you know, fairly true. Um, and that most of the things, you know, again, how I think about it is uh, I don't always have the solution that's going to sort of resolve the, the issue that's coming up, but I can point to the issues, but often the author has a better solution or a different solution. Yeah. So it might suggest several things and, and, you know, invite the author to find the way through the question. So I found that to be true. And then uh, the other thing is, is that time away and then coming back really helps. And so we always, we always encourage authors to, to do that during the developmental reading process normally authors get six or eight weeks away and then you come back fresh and it that really helps uh-huh yeah um and so your um your authors they are sufficiently timely to uh to allow for that six to eight week break yeah well book takes a long time <laughs> to, yeah, right. to get done and it's i i think it's very well worth it I've, i certainly found it for myself every time i would go away and then come back i would just Mm-hmm. see things of course it's dangerous that you could do that forever you have to stop it at some point but. yeah right yeah and the um there it's it, it's really hard to get distance from your own writing and yes. you know the, the easiest way is just to put it away and come yeah. back later um although i i know i found myself in situations more than once where i was so late on the manuscript delivering the manuscript that i didn't you know <laughs> I didn't yeah. have six or eight weeks to sure we do and we have those instances too where you have to rush it along 
Um, and there's some things, some some art serves itself better for that than other other yeah, art. Right. That's right. Um, the so here, I do have this question about uh, to return to the idea of being kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, being kind to yourself probably isn't the same thing as going too easy or soft on yourself. Um, mm-hmm. How do you how do you sort of uh, keep your own feet to the fire, <laughs> you know, uh, and hold yourself accountable um, when you are being kind to yourself. I'm not, that, that's, I, I'm, I'm drawing, a, I know I'm making a false distinction. I mean, you know, a false, whatever the, whatever the word is. I know you're not saying being kind to yourself doesn't mean just being self-indulgent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the book's not about having spa days or things like that. <laughs> um, uh, so I uh, noticed the song that Andrew Peterson had written uh, called Be Kind to Yourself as I was, uh, after I was actually kind of fairly deep in this process. And uh, it's, a, it's a delightful song. And he asks a question in the song like this. He says, how does it end when the war that you're in is just you against you is against you? And I take that as an echo of Romans 7. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Um, so there is sin, and I think for Christians it's important to stop and say, okay, there's sin that we have to acknowledge and confess, but then it's that confessing and moving on in the light of grace that I, that some of us need to be reminded of. Um, so when I become aware of sin, I can make a choice to address it with self-kindness. Uh, David Benner writes in The Gift of Being Yourself, self-transformation is always preceded by self-acceptance. And that was a, that was a really important quote for me as, a, as I was writing the book, a, kind of a, a key idea. So rather, yeah, self-transformation is always preceded by self-acceptance. So, so rather than comparing myself to others who seem to do better than I do, I can say kind things to myself like, thank you, God, for allowing me to see this. Forgive me. Help me to grow more in this area. And then when I'm kind, I'm actually more likely to let it go and, and move on into maturity mm-hmm. instead of kind of just getting stuck in that in that negative loop and, mm-hmm. and being, uh, you know, a sinful person who's angry with herself. Um, <laughs> that doesn't really help anybody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, um, and you're know, reminded of the, uh, um, the verse that, that, you know, it is the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I love this idea of, of breaking out of loops, right? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think it's a really helpful way of thinking about uh, what you're talking about. And, and repentance as a way of saying, I'm in this loop, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the loop, and I'm just going to move, you know. I mean, the, the, a loop, by definition, I mean, it's, you, you can't change directions if you're in a loop. You're just kind of, yeah, yeah. Or, or all you're doing is change directions or something, but you can't, you know, uh, until, you, until you stop looping and start uh, moving towards something, again, that's outside yourself, something that you didn't invent, that wasn't in your, you know, that wasn't coming from your brain, but rather is something outside yourself. Yeah. Um, really, really helpful. 
I love it. Um, now, but I, I do, I do want to ask this other question though, because self-flagellation and fear as a motivator actually can work, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, I, I wrote, I, I, I wrote more than one book just straight out of fear. Hmm. Waking up in the morning and saying, you know, I mean, getting up in the morning and writing because I couldn't sleep because I was so afraid of, um, you know, having to give the uh, advance back or, <laughs> um, and, and so there was, I have definitely dealt with that, have found it motivating until one day it just wasn't anymore, right? Until one day no amount of of uh, self-flagellation could get me to to do the work. Mm. I was like, I would just rather, you know, that I, I guess I, I used to I used to think in terms of I would write when the when the pain of not writing got greater than the pain of writing. Because mm-hmm. you know, I mean, writing's painful but for, yeah. for yeah. me anyway, for a lot of people, um, and. I went for years that 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 was kind of the way I, th- I thought about it. The, the the pain of of there's there's some pain in not writing and there's some pain in writing and which which one's greater today? <laughs> and I'll avoid whichever one is greater today. And uh, man, that's just not it's not sustainable. Hmm. Although yeah. it, it carried me along for a, for a, I mean, or or I carried it or whatever for a long time. Um, so I don't know. I mean, any thoughts on this idea of self-flagellation as a as a motivator? Is it something that I mean, maybe you're so emotionally healthy that, that that's not something you've ever, ever experienced. I don't know. Well, I I appreciate that that story is very powerful um, and interesting that you ran out of steam eventually with, yeah. with that. It, it only takes you so so far. Yeah, kind of kind of what I'm hearing. Um, I so. I'm more of an editor than I am a, a writer. That's my my main focus. And and as an editor, I find that people write best when they when they write what they want to write, which is also I think part of the narrative that you just offered is you know when it when it builds up so much that you just have to write that that you you're writing out of the desire. Um, the tricky part is what you just described is for the people who are making their living from writing, right? That That is a very different position than yeah. I find myself or than, than really a lot of our, a lot of our writers are people in ministry right. or they right. have other, other things that are bringing in income. Um, so uh, I'm sure that it's tricky. And even the thing of writing when you want what you want to write, it can't always be true if you have to take assignments, um, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, but as far as possible, I encourage writers to, to you know, follow their calling, follow the stirring, mm-hmm. follow the muse. Um, and, that, and that's what's going to succeed. One thing that I find odd, actually, as an editor, is when, when I go to writers' conferences and writers say to me, what book topics are you looking for? Mm-hmm. And I think writing a book is an enormous undertaking. <laughs> it, it's not assignment writing in, in my mind. It needs to be the thing that only you can write mm-hmm. and the thing that flows naturally out of everything you're doing. Again, thinking 
largely about people that are in various other kinds of ministry as well. If it's the thing that flows out of the whole of your life and work is the thing that you should write because you're going to have to keep talking about it for a long time, yeah. <laughs> especially if you're writing nonfiction. Uh, you're going you're gonna to be doing conferences and speaking and teaching and writing more about it. And so it needs to be really interesting to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. Um, I always say, you know, what do you have to give to the writer that the writer can't get for himself? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, the, 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 that very question of what are you looking for, that's a person who's not asking that question. You know, what, what do I have to give? Yeah. Yeah. You're you thinking in terms of what, you know, when you're asking that question, you're saying, what, what can you give me? <laughs> right? Give me, give me a topic that's going to benefit me rather than here's something that's going, that, that I've got, that I've got to, that I can give. Yeah, that's right. So it can work for certain journalism or certain areas, perhaps yeah, right. to, you know, to just like putting words on a page and playing with that, but I don't, it doesn't work very well for a nonfiction book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've done a lot of actually copywriting, you know, for, for mm. advertising and, you know, I say advertising, you know, some advertising, just various marketing type things just to, you know, just keep food on the table. And, uh, um, and then I, I now now I don't remember why I brought that up except that I mean we were talking about assignments. Yeah. Um, it it does deglamorize writing a little bit. I can tell you. I mean that you know to have that many deadlines in one day and to have to speak in that many different voices in one day. Um, it was it was, uh, it was good training, but it also helps you long for. I mean, w- w- one of the things that it has done for me is is make me long for the kind of writing that that you're talking about that grows mm-hmm. out of. You know, the, the truth is, I don't have um, that much, that many strong feelings about which bank somebody should bank at. You know, mm-hmm. people I've written mm-hmm. brochures for banks, and um, and that has uh, that work has is a built some important skills for me as a writer. Um, not least, not the least of which is some disciplines. You mm-hmm. know, of hitting deadlines, multiple multiple deadlines, and um, but then also. Um, reinvigorating me to, to to do work that does feel like it's coming from inside instead of from outside. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You probably can't be in that mode of writing the profound stories of your life, or I, I don't know. You're not all. We're not. I suppose we're not always in the mode of our highest creativity. Uh, but that kind of disciplined writing, I've done a lot of back cover copywriting in my yeah, right. years, and yeah. and that's sort of like assignment writing. But it's good. It helps you hone the craft. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk to you for a minute about um, um, you. You have a an adjusted version of Saint Ignatius's exam, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I'm saying that word, but how do you pronounce that? Examine. Yeah, um, and um, and so um, I guess you know his idea is at the end of the day review review your day and, and think where are the places where I was closer to God, and that's the consolation, and where mm-hmm. was I more distant? From, am I saying? And that's the that's where, right. where was I more distant yep. from God, and that was a desolation. Yep. yep. Is that clo- close and distant? Is that that's the right category? That's, that's yep. That's and how I understand you, it. That wasn't working because it was generating shame. That's right. That's right. So so it started uh, with a, reading a manuscript by a couple of my authors, Jim and Alan Fadling, and they were writing a book called "What Does Your Soul Love," 
And it was this sentence where they were describing how we open ourselves to God and they write, notice where you're bugged. And I was re- I was editing, I was writing a developmental report, but that just stopped me short and I um, felt caught by God in that moment. And I, I thought, okay, there's something here for me that's beyond the, the work. And so I made a note of that and then started working with it later. And I decided to take that phrase and, and use it as, uh, as a part of a personal examine. And so I would ask myself each day two questions. What's bugging you? And then the second question was bringing you joy. And that was my way of translating the desolation, what's bugging me, what's making me far from God, and what's bringing me joy, what's drawing me near to God. Um, the examine, as I had been taught it by Ignatius, was typically practiced at night. So you review your day. Um, and it tended to draw me into like all the things that went wrong, all the things that I did wrong. And that doesn't make me sleepy. Um, so, uh, so one twist for me was putting that in the morning. So every morning in my journal, I think back through the past day and then I write down those notes and it kind of clears my head for the day to come and it helps me to 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 start to recognize you know what what are the things that are hooking me um that i'm gonna need to to let go um and then the the what's bringing me joy of course it's it's a it's a gratitude practice um um, but it's also again this thing of god drawing near um birds have been really important to me in this particularly during uh recent months and and just noticing birds and and seeing those as as a a gift from god as as Uh god's creation so so just these kinds of little things that remind me that that god is near that the creator has made a beautiful creation uh kindnesses you know from people um Mm -hmm. things that that bring you hope and joy and so that those are the things that that just cause me to notice God and notice that God is is near. So it, so your two questions, what's bugging me mm-hmm. and what brings me joy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're saying this this is this is you're still doing saying they should examine just mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it's not I've, it's not that you come up with two new questions, it's that you have questions that are just another way of getting at the exact same thing that, that St. Ignatius. I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I, I we don't have time to, to, to talk about how important gratitude is for the writing process, but, but it is mm-hmm. so important to be being awake to what's going on in the world around you. You know, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's great. Uh, so you are, uh, we haven't, we haven't even talked about this yet. You're trained as a spiritual director. Mm-hmm. And how is, so how do you, what, what's the overlap you see between being, or do you see any overlap? I guess I should say that between being a spiritual director and being an editor. Yeah. So I decided to do spiritual direction training because I thought it would help my editing. Huh. Um, I, it, it helps a bit in the content area because I work on spiritual formation in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also um, because I do see this tie between spiritual direction and editing and for me, it, it's first of all those moments where I meet with an author or talk with an author and trying to draw out of them what do they want to do? What is this book about? What's the structure? What's the calling of, the, of this book? And 
and then uh, also as I read again trying to connect with what does the reader need mm -hmm. um, and it, in a way maybe that that could also be thought of as is what what am I seeing emerging in the book itself which can be the Holy Spirit you know mm -hmm. it that 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 I I think you know that there's this thought of the muse but I think for 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 Christians it's it's the spirit is guiding is guiding and can can surprise you <laughs> with what what comes out if we work in collaboration with the spirit and so i think i'm like a spiritual director i'm trying to listen to the spirit and listen to the the author as you might listen to a directee and listen to the holy spirit when you're doing spiritual direction um now the the part that i don't always love is there's a third piece which is the market um, uh, the, the sort of more pleasant way to frame it is to think about the reader, the audience, and we do want to serve those, but there's also some realities of what we think will or won't work for the publishing house, um, that comes into it. So it's not really, it's not as sort of pure as spiritual direction, <laughs> but, yeah. but I like, I, I do like bringing those, those things that I've learned into yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and to what extent is your, is your work with writers, um, how to ask this question? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, there's so many, I always say writing is not, you know, writing issues are never just writing issues. <laughs> there's, there's always this swirl going around. I mean, sometimes, okay, if it's, if we're talking about passive voice, sometimes it's just a writing issue. Mm. But um, but there's so many other things swirling around the writer, you know, that, mm -hmm. that are keeping them from getting the work done. And and um, I mean, to, to what extent is your work as an editor? I don't, I don't know, counseling or, or I mean, it's obviously it's beyond it's, it's way beyond. It seems it seems to me that, that you're a, a conscientious editor that work ends up going beyond just, as you said, figuring out, you know, matching up the, the manuscript with the market and the reader and all that kind of stuff. You know, there's, there's that's, some spiritual work going on there. That's right. That's right. It, it surprised me. That was one of the first things that surprised me. You know, I thought being an editor was just sitting around reading manuscripts all day and uh -huh. it's so much more people time than I, than I ever would have imagined. And yeah, encouraging, helping people through the hard places through the through the doubts through the, the yeah writing can plunge you into things that you didn't know you know places you didn't know you were going yeah. particularly if you're using personal narrative you know as yeah. part of it um i definitely have seen spiritual warfare around writing um particularly in areas of um race of justice of we've done some books with um International Justice Ministries, uh, IJM, and around I think around slavery that continues worldwide. The, the, I, I just I think there's real warfare. Mm -hmm. um, so I've seen I've seen that kind of thing happen uh, as well. Um, so, but it's but it's a joy. It's a, I I love that part of the work um, that I get to be with people through this journey um, and. Uh, so, and it's so satisfying. I, I don't know, there's not a lot of jobs where you go from this little root idea that people have 
um, all the way through this process to the end and, and you get this product, this beautiful book. Um, and uh, on a regular basis, that happens. <laughs> so, and, and, and I just think that's, that's a, a real grace of the job to have these shelves lined with the things that you did um, and worked on and collaborated with. So uh, I can yeah. imagine. I've, I've always thought it'd be a, a really uh, great, great job, great work to be an editor. So. Yeah. And I so appreciate the work that people like you do. I mean, um, they're, for for my own work, yes, but but more to the point, for you know all these. I mean, I, you know, my my rooms are full of books that people like you help bring to the world. So thank you. Yes, well, thank you. It's 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 really a joy and a privilege. Um, so I've been on the show twice before, or you didn't know it, but uh, both Tish Warren and Jen Michelle okay. quoted things that their editor said, <laughs> which was. Ah! <laughs> I didn't know we were talking about you. <laughs> yep. So I, I, but I like that. I like that background space. Yeah. Good. Okay. I'm going to ask you the, the question I always end these discussions with, and that is who are the writers who make you want to write? Yes. So I love that question. That's a great question. Um, so Kathleen Norris Mm -hmm. uh, is a great touch point for me. I've read Cloisterbach many times. I yeah. don't always read books over, but I've read that one. And, and that actually drew me to liturgy and yeah. uh, well. Um, uh, my authors, of course, IVP yeah. authors are wonderful. I asked Ruth Barton to write the foreword because um, I love her writing. And mm -hmm. what I'm looking for in formational writing um, is writing that want, draws me into God's presence, that makes me want to go and sit and be with God or to try out a spiritual practice. And I think that Ruth does that. Um, I, uh, while I was reading the book, I was, uh, or while I was writing the book, I was reading two books by Mason Curry um, about um, artists and, and writing. Um, and uh, those, they, they're called... Uh, Daily Rituals, How Artists Work, and Daily mm -hmm. Rituals, Women at Work. And they're just like these little snippets of painters and writers and musicians um, doing their art. Uh -huh. and, and so they're fun to read in tidbits. And similarly, a touchpoint author for me is Madeline Lingle. Um, yeah. Time was really important to me as a kid. And uh, she has a book, Madeline Lingle herself, Reflections on Writing Life. And, and it's, again, it's like these nuggets of wisdom, and it's really fun to read while writing. Uh -huh. uh, and then my last, I think it's great. So I mostly am nonfiction editor, reader, uh -huh. but um, fiction is great for nonfiction writers as well. And I've been loving Louise Penny's uh, Inspector Ganache series. I'm late to the game just finding them. Well, um, I'm later than you are because I'm Okay. Know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Louise Penny. Um, and it's, and the audio books are great. I've been listening to the audio books. And um, they're, so they're, they're murder mysteries mm -hmm. set in a cute town in Quebec, but full of really full of spiritual formation, I believe, full really? of, of wise thinking um, about mm. art and life and people. So Yeah. Well, great. Well, Cindy, this has been a delight. Thank you for, for being here on The Habit, and um, I look forward to seeing what other books you help bring into the world. Thank you. I've enjoyed it very much. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.
The Rabbit Room has partnered with Lipscomb University to make this podcast possible. Lipscomb has graciously given us access to their recording studio in the Center for Entertainment and Arts building. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, their encouragement, and the good work they do in Nashville. Special shout out as well to Jess Ray for letting us use her song Too Good as part of this podcast. Visit JessRayMusic.com to hear more of her beautiful songs. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co. This podcast was produced by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. All our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate. Thank you.